Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Shamelessly Unapologetic with me, your host, Alana Pinsky. And apparently Elsa, who is being very needy right now. So I am so sorry that it's been a couple weeks since I've uploaded an episode. I haven't been feeling my best the past two weeks. I've been getting very sick, and I'm absolutely over it. And I was gone in Seattle for a few days, and then after my trip from Seattle where I went to Philadelphia I immediately got even more sick and this episode was actually supposed to go out last week the day before Thanksgiving and it didn't happen so I am so sorry for the delay in this episode but we do have a great episode our guest for this week is Lacey Lohotsky and we had such a fun conversation talking about traveling and learning how to like overcome a lot of anxiety, especially when it comes to travel. I think that is something that you should absolutely unapologetically not be afraid of, which is traveling, whether you're doing it alone or with somebody, because a lot of people get a lot of anxiety from traveling. And her and I had such a really fun conversation. And I honestly wanted to continue this conversation longer than we had it scheduled for but you know you only have so much time in the day and so Lacey had a lot of fun things to say and a lot of important things to say when it came to anxiety and finding her place in life and how travel really helped shape her as a person and it was just a really beautiful and powerful story and I'm excited for you to learn more about it so With that being said, let's go ahead and get into this week's interview. Hello, Lacey. Welcome to Shamelessly Unapologetic. Thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today? Well, thank you so much for having me. It is an honor to be here on the Shamelessly Unapologetic podcast. I am great. It's a beautiful day outside. Um, We've had a couple cold days, but it's like 80 degrees and sunny and like you can't beat that, especially for November. (laughs) Oh my God. Wow. Where are you located right now? Um, I live in North Carolina, so it's like, you know, halfway up the East Coast. We do get like some winter, but it's still usually pretty nice in the winter, which is what I'm all about. <laughs> oh, very cool. I'm originally from Virginia, so I can definitely relate because I know the weather pattern oh, can be yes. very, similar, very similar. But I live in Portland, Oregon now, and so it was raining. <laughs> a li- yeah, it was raining a little bit this morning. I went to the farmer's market where it, was be- where it was beautiful, and now it looks like I'm staring out my window again, and it is raining again, which is just classic Portland weather. <laughs> Very typical. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Well, cool. I am so excited to have you on. I know that you have such a fascinating story that I think is going to be very beneficial for my listeners. But before we get into all that, I'd love for you to just share a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Um, So as I said, right now I'm living in North Carolina. I am an avid traveler. That's what my blog, Live It Up With Lacey, is all about. Um, I also have, you know, an Instagram presence and I've started coaching um, specifically around anxiety coaching because that is a topic that is near and dear to my heart because of how much I have personally overcome in regards to anxiety and trauma and just like really shitty life events. So I, uh, you know, I, I love to travel. I love, um, I also do mixed martial arts. Um, that's something that I've, I picked up uh, like almost 
four years ago now. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Um, as a way to like cope with all of my anxiety and trauma and like feel safe in my body and feel safe in my environment. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of like a multifaceted, multi-passionate person. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's really awesome. I think that's really cool that you have been doing um, mixed martial arts. I think that also comes um, in great hands when you're a woman, right? And so always handy to have that, especially with all the traveling you do, because you never know what could happen. I mean, I oh my gosh, yes, yes, and I'm sure we have so much we can say about that today. And I also like have anxiety as well, and so it's definitely been something that I've been battling with for years. But I'm glad that I finally have found like the right kind of medication for me because for the longest time I wasn't Mm -hmm. on medication. So that's been like my golden ticket to like really calming me down. (laughs) Oh man, yes, I hear that. I uh. I started taking medication, um, I might add this part, against my will, when I was 12, or a couple months after my mom died by suicide, oh, my gosh. dad and stepmom, so who you will probably hear me refer to as my parents, but it's my dad and stepmom, Okay. Um, put me on medication, um, and I was like a zombie for like almost 10 years, like I was wow. on like a cocktail of things, I mean, you're like 12. My mom just died by suicide. I had a traumatic childhood. Like, yeah, clearly I was just severely traumatized from everything that had happened, but they were like, we don't know what to do. So they like loaded me up on drugs. I actually got off of all of them as an adult. And that's what really opened up this whole journey that I've been on for me because I was like, oh my God, I have feelings. <laughs> what yeah. are these? What do I do with them? Um, Cause I never got to develop them during my like, you know, formative emotional years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for me, it was definitely finding like the right kind of therapy. And I do take medication still, but it's like, like not a cocktail. It's like very, very minimal. It's just to, like, keep me in, keep me in a, a fine enough line that I can manage the rest through therapy. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than just dragging myself into oblivion. But I hear you like, it's so all our brains are so different. Like we all need like such different things and like finding that combination can be such a long like trial and error process. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, just for me, and it kind of sounds like for you as well, it just really helps level the playing field. And Mm -hmm. honestly, that's good enough for me. And it sounds like that's kind of been helping you as well, which is really great to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you just need enough to like keep you stable enough that like if something bad happens, you're like, okay, I can deal with this. I have the other tools in my toolbox, but it keeps you at like a good enough level that you're not like freaking out all the time. Exactly. (laughs) It's not the end of the world every time. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I have another question for you. And this is a question that I ask every single guest that comes on to my show. And then we'll jump into our conversations more about like traveling with anxiety and just travel in general. But what would you say is the biggest thing that you are mostly unapologetic about? Ooh, <laughs> I am a very direct communicator, and that was a that came from a very long journey of like not getting what I needed because I would do like crazy stuff to like get what I wanted. So like, uh, and I, I know a lot of people go through this like in relationships. Like, obviously, you want your partner to act a certain way, but I wouldn't actually say that. I would just be like roundabout about it, um, mm-hmm. and. I have, and I have since learned to just be like very direct about like what I need. So with my husband now, I'll like walk up to him and I'll be like, I need you to give me attention right now. 
<laughs> like no shame at all. Just like, I want attention and I need you to give it to me right now. <laughs> I mean, I think that's important. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm like, I need this and I want you to provide this for me. And here we are. Like, what do we do next? Like, I mean, why beat around the bush? <laughs> right. Exactly. And I think, you know, I can also really relate to like being a direct communicator. I also say that I'm very direct with my words. And I think one of the biggest frustrations that I have with other people is that they just don't understand the difference between someone being direct and then someone who's just downright being rude and being a bitch. And I know that can be so hard as a woman. And I've had so many conversations Mm -hmm. with so many people who've come on my podcast and we've all talked about this is like, we're so direct and honest with what we say and people just want to take it completely out of context and then put the blame on us saying like you could have been nicer about it and it's like well we we're being nice we're just being direct and we're not gonna just like right. tone it down or like change our tone and we do not believe in tone policing here on this podcast and oh, good. <laughs> I'm, I, yeah, and I'm curious to know if like if you get so much shit for like being so direct because I know I certainly do so I I haven't gotten so much of that because I work in a fairly male dominated industry and field. So I think that's actually helped me get ahead in my career because I'm like very to the point, like with my like work communication, I'm like, Hey, I need this from you. Here's the problem I'm trying to solve. Please help me. Or, you know, some variation of that, but by being like short, sweet to the point about what I need from you to get this done, like most people will respond to that. Um, and then also with like MMA, that's also a very male dominated sport. Mm-hmm. We need more women. So if you're a woman and you're listening and you want to do MMA, hit me up. I will convince you. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, because I hang around with guys so much more, um, I think it, it works in my favor. But in situations where I have been around women more, um, it, yeah, it's like a different story. And I feel like... I don't know. I guess guys tend to be more direct than girls. So I I feel like personally, I've had a lot more trouble navigating it when there's more women involved. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I feel like I get a decent balance of people who will give me slack for both men and women. And it's really frustrating when it's both people because it's like, I'm not gonna like, talk like this and sound so gentle. So <laughs> it caters to your comfort level. Like, oh my God, just using that voice just sounds so fucking exhausting. Oh uh, yeah, it sounds so fake too. It's so <laughs> like it's fake. So fake. Oh my God, yes. And I, you know, this is an unpopular opinion, I think, but like if I'm in a conversation with somebody and I get offended, that's a, my problem to deal with, not their problem to deal with. Exactly. Like, that's on me to figure out. That's on me to handle my own emotions. Like, I don't need anybody to cater to me because that takes away my power and my agency. And mm-hmm. I'm not about that anymore. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I used to be that exact same way. You know, someone's like, Alana, like tone it down or like, you know, pump the brakes. I'm like, no, I'm not going to pump their brakes. And it's just kind of interesting or mostly funny in my um, just uh, Scorpio sneaky ways. I'm like, haha, I made you uncomfortable <laughs> because you don't know how to regulate yourself. That sounds so mean. Yeah. But at the same time, this is a you problem. I'm going to continue being myself and I'm not going to let you try to take power over me. 
And for the longest yes. time, I used to let people take that power over me. And now I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to tone it down. If you have an issue with it, you can walk away. Uh, yeah, that's me too. Like I used to, I, I just kick myself for it now. Like thinking about it, like how much I gave away my power. Like, I don't think people realize how much power and agency and like control you have over things. People just like give it away. Like there's no tomorrow. Like this is free candy coming out of a van or something. Absolutely. Exactly. And like speaking of power, I think this can be like a really good segue into talking more about like your journey with anxiety and trauma. And obviously I want you to share what you're comfortable with, but I love to know like a little bit more about your journey in terms of that and how you were able to determine uh, about like finding comfort through travel. Cause I'm curious to know if you were always comfortable being a solo traveler before your experiences and anxiety, or did this happen more after you started recognizing that you were having anxiety and then dealing with trauma? Yeah, sure. Um, So I will caveat that I don't travel solo. I always travel with my husband. Okay, that's good to know. (laughs) Um, But sometimes I do wander off by myself. And to go back to what we were talking about with martial arts, when we were in Spain last Christmas, I wandered off for like, I don't know, maybe half an hour by myself that whole trip. And during that half an hour, I had one man come up to me saying some very nasty things where I was like, I feel like I need to take a shower now. Um, And then two men followed me after that. And I was like, oh, my God, like the 30 minutes I'm not with my husband, like I'm getting harassed by all these guys. And, you know, like I was able to like stand up straighter, like walk straighter and taller because I knew that if they like got any closer that I would be able to defend myself as much as I could, um, obviously, like. You should run first if you can, but if you cannot, then you can go to the martial arts. Um, so, like, that definitely helped me feel more confident um, walking around without him. And uh, I feel like the reason I don't get harassed more is because, well, I guess you probably have to see him to know, but he's a big jacked dude. So I, he just looks scary, I think, but he's a giant teddy bear. Um, but, yes, I mean, like, for me, traveling really does a good job of making me grateful for what I have. Um, in addition to like giving me perspective on my like day-to-day problems, because, you know, like trauma is like a big overarching problem that people face. Like Mm -hmm. that's not something that you can overcome in a day. It's definitely a journey, but there are like day-to-day anxiety problems. Like, Oh, I'm stressed out about this presentation at work or traffic sucks. I mean, there's like any number of things that you can go through on a day-to-day basis that'll make you anxious. But when you go and travel, you're like, wow, these people on the other side of the world are doing the same thing that I'm doing every day. Like if this is a normal thing worldwide, it's not just unique to me. Or, you know, when you go to like poorer countries, then you're like, wow, like, Oh my God, I'm so grateful for the fact that I have a car and a huge house and a, you know, like all this money to do martial arts and actually travel because traveling is expensive. And mm-hmm, it, is. Um, it really makes you grateful for everything that you have um, on top of like giving you perspective on like your own day to day life and um, every other everybody else's day to day lives. Um, so, yeah, I think that's why travel is like really good if you have any sort of anxiety or mental health issues, because that persp- you can't get that perspective unless you're there, in my opinion. Yeah. Absolutely. I know you mentioned you've always traveled with your husband. Did you ever travel before you were married or before you had a partner? Or did you always make sure that you had to have someone because of your anxiety? Um, I went on a couple like family vacations when I was younger, like, you know, cruises and things like that. But I mean, I would always just like, I wander off by myself. Sometimes I like to go 
see things on my own and process it in my own space rather than like having everybody else's everything coming at me while I'm trying to process some beautiful thing or interesting historical thing, um, whatever it may be. Okay. Um, so I was always usually around somebody, but I definitely tend to like wander off and not say something <laughs> to everybody else. Yeah. And then they're like, oh my God, where'd she go? Like, oh, I'm just over here looking at this thing. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally understand about like wandering off. I mean, I have with such really bad ADHD that I will get so distracted if I see something and then I just completely <laughs> like lose my group of like who I'm with and they're just like where did you go and I'm like oh I'm so sorry I got distracted by some sort of vendor like if I'm at a farmer's market or right. if I'm just walking around and I see something that just catches my eye like last week I went out to St. Helens Oregon with two of my friends for Halloween weekend, and we went to the Spirit of Halloween Town, which is where Halloween Town was filmed. If you are Ooh, familiar with, cool. yeah, if you're familiar with the Disney Channel movie, and so my friend and I, we saw this like booth that had a bunch of crystals, and so we both have ADHD, <laughs> and so we got distracted by the crystals. And then our other friend, we just completely lost. I think she thought that uh, we were both behind her, and so she just kept walking and walking. And when we looked around after we were finished on looking at the crystals, we're like, where did she go? <laughs> and we got worried. <laughs> Lo and behold. And we got she's worried. She's gone. Uh-oh. <laughs> and we got worried for half a second. And then my friend, who probably has more anxiety than I do, she would almost thought that our friend just got kidnapped. And I'm thinking like in broad daylight where there's all of these people who would witness something like this. And she goes, well, that's actually the best time to get kidnapped. And I'm like, okay, all right. I do not think she got kidnapped. <laughs> and then we just saw. She's probably around here somewhere. And then we literally <laughs> saw that she's maybe like 300 feet away from us. And then I just like oh. yell her name across where we were. And then she sees us. So it's like, see, she didn't get kidnapped. Everything is fine. But that's like a perfect example. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, and like also with anxiety, it's like first case scenario. Clearly, this is what happened. <laughs> exactly. I know we're always so quick to think that the worst thing as possible is going to happen. It's just so natural for us at this point. Mm-hmm. But like ever, like I said, ever since I started taking my medications, it has taken that edge off for me to where I do not think about these horrible outcomes that can occur. But I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some things that I definitely believe that my medication cannot block. Like I do think that there are some realistic factors that come into play when it comes to personal safety, especially as a Mm -hmm. woman when you're alone. And I know that can be very scary. And that is something that I will always keep in the back of my mind. And I don't think that my anxiety medications can definitely like take care of that. No. And I like try to explain this to my husband like many times too. I was like, you have no idea what it's like to go to a store by yourself as a woman. Think about where you're going to park. Think about like getting in your car a certain way so that nobody can get in after you. Like just these little things that we do to keep ourselves safe. And I'm like, you have no idea what this is like to just like, these are the thoughts that are in the back of our head because we're a woman. Yep. I know it can be very scary being a woman. And I wish like one day in a perfect world that we can walk comfortably on the streets at night by ourselves and nobody 
will be there to attack us or bother us or make us feel unsafe. Just in a perfect world, one day, I hope. Mm-hmm. But until now, until now, we're (laughs) always on guard, and it sucks. Yes. Mm -hmm. It does, yes. And that's where martial arts comes in. Yeah. A little bit better. Yeah. How to defend yourself. And I especially love jujitsu for this, because jujitsu is all about, like, uh, leverage and angles. And a lot of times, like, even in sport jujitsu, little people will bit big beat big people, because you can, like, leverage their weight and their positioning and your weight and your positioning to, like, get strategic advantages so i found that to be like extremely helpful for me too um i mean i <laughs> i'm only five feet tall and so when i go to like jujitsu class i am literally the smallest person there even when the, like older children come they're still bigger than me yeah <laughs> so i'm like you know like i have a lot of practice with this now i'm like it'll be fine <laughs> yeah i was gonna say um with like jujitsu and mma have you ever had to like put that to use when you're traveling and like have to basically beat someone else up? Do you like do you have any stories regarding when you actually had to use it? <laughs> no, thank God. Um, yeah, the only like one particular time where it got close was when we were in Spain um, mm-hmm. last year. Other than that, like I mean, there's been a couple other times where I felt a little sketched out, um, but nobody was like saying nasty things to me like this one guy was or like following very very closely behind me yeah what did you have to do to like scare them off then when they were basically bothering you so this one guy who's speaking spanish to me and i speak enough spanish to know what he was saying but Uh i just like completely ignored him and that usually works one of two ways if you like give somebody like absolutely no acknowledgement they can either they'll either go away like this guy eventually did Or they, like, find it as, like, more of a challenge. So, in my opinion, you kind of have to read the situation a little bit. And this one, thankfully, he took it as, like, I was, because I was not engaging, that I was not the right target. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But if he had started to, like, get more aggressive, I probably would have, like, started to walk more quickly or try to get to a group of people more quickly. Um, Thankfully, I was, like, in a spot where, if I'd like turned a corner, went down another street, like I probably would have been um, nearer to people faster. And one guy that was following me, I mean, literally all this happened in like a 30 minute time span. Ridiculous. That's crazy. Um, But when I was on my way back to my husband, uh, family asked me to take a picture of them as this guy was like following pretty closely to me. And thank God they did because like, then I was around people and like doing something for people. So it was like more obvious that this guy was following me. Yeah. And I don't know if they asked me because they saw what was going on or if they just genuinely wanted a, a picture and I was just there and I had my camera and they were like, Oh, she takes pictures, you know, like <laughs> let's ask her. Um, but yeah, that one was a, uh, that was really lucky because that one, I was like on the street by myself and I didn't know when I was going to see more people until I saw these people like walking up in the distance and then they shouted me down to like take their picture. Yeah. I'm, so that was really, I'm, really helpful. Yeah. No, I'm glad you had that like saving grace right there and then to really just de-escalate that situation. Um, talk mm-hmm. about some really amazing karma and luck there. Um, it, that's kind of like a movie yes. where you're in that dangerous situation, and then out of nowhere, someone comes and just saves you, and it feels like you had that you. moment. <laughs> yes, and you can like breathe a sigh of relief, like you know, like the tense music is playing while you're like walking, and then 
since music goes away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know when I lived in San Francisco for four years, and I know San Francisco has like a lot of people out on the streets who are very sketchy. And, and I'm not talking about homeless people. Like there are just some really creepy people, mostly men. In general. Yeah, in general. And I, I had to make that very clear. So people like would not come for me. But basically, they're mostly men. And so whenever I'm walking in certain places, I am always constantly catcalled. And Ugh. it is horrible like the men in san francisco can be just straight up garbage and it's like can you Uh. please just let me fucking walk in peace and broad daylight i am not out in public to be there for your gaze and i literally have places to go and things to do and i just want to get there in silence without anyone bothering me and yes people preach oh my god and they are so disgusting and it's like every time i go back to san francisco i'm just like oh not this again like can there be <laughs> you one like feel that ick. it's the huge ick and that was one thing i absolutely didn't like about san francisco i mean i loved living there the only reason i moved was because covid screwed me over and so ever since i moved to portland i do not get catcalled the way that i like I don't get, I don't really don't get get catcalled in Portland, and Portland has their own fair share of creepy people. But I feel like I am able to walk the streets by myself more comfortably than I ever was able to in San Francisco. And like I just don't know why San Francisco has all of these catcalling creeps, and it's just like every time. If I walk down the street within like a specific neighborhood, someone always has something to say to me and it's always disgusting. Yeah, I don't know. It's so wild that you, I mean, like you're still on the West Coast and like just moving to a different city like completely changes that for you. Like I've lived in the South my whole life and I feel like it's not, catcalling in the street is not quite as common here, mostly because you pretty much have to drive a long way to get anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Just general principle living here. It's not very walkable. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, it's just crazy that, like, the culture completely changes from, like, one city to another like that. Yeah, and Portland can be a very walkable city, you know? I was very surprised with how good our public transportation system is. Like, I don't have a car. I didn't have a car when I was living in SF. And yeah, I mean, where I live, there's so much public transportation, and we have a lot of bus lines. We have two different um, light rail systems. And one of our light rail systems is called the Max. So it's really similar to like San Francisco's Muni train, which again is just like another regular like light rail train. And basically it has a bunch of different lines that take you to a bunch of different places and stops. And then our streetcar, there are three lines, but they kind of go more in loops in specific places. I think Max will take you further than the streetcar. But I live near all of these lines. And so for me, it's just, it's so much easier so to like just navigate. Convenient. Yeah, it's it's really convenient. I, w- I was really blown away with like how you truly can get away living in this city without a car. Um, And that was another reason that 
led me to wanting to move to Portland. And I had never visited Portland. I just moved and I just had to do my research because I was like, well, I'm not going to move back to Virginia with my parents because I did not, I just don't like Virginia. And I, mm-hmm. the West Coast has just been the best thing for me. And so when I was trying to figure out, okay, where can I still live on the West Coast that's cheaper than SF and I can get away without a car in Portland came to mind. So I did a little bit more research just to make sure that like my intuition was right. And I was like, okay, you know what? I I think this is doable. And lo and behold, I was right. That's awesome. That must have been like very anxiety inducing, just like picking up to a place you've never seen before. Oh yeah, absolutely. And especially because I didn't know anybody in Portland. So just moving there with really no friends, I had to basically start over. And so I found a place off Facebook Marketplace and I was living with a girl for my first few months there. And I lived in this really cute house in a really cute, safe, quiet neighborhood in North Portland. And I really liked my roommate. She was a lot younger than me. Um, And we had this like four bedroom house to ourselves. We didn't have to cover rent because our landlord was selling the house in May. And so now I live in a studio apartment, which has been my first time being able to live on my own because I was never able to afford like a one bedroom or a studio in San Francisco. No way, in San Francisco. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> what I'm paying for my studio here was how much I was paying for a room. And so it's just very refreshing. Later on, I started making friends and it was really great. So it's definitely crazy how much has changed from when I moved to just like starting over with nothing. And now I am settled and established. I have a great friend group. Like I literally went to the farmer's market with one of my friends who lives in my apartment building. And it's just been, it's been really awesome. Do you think that moving, like changing cities had an impact on your mental health at all? A little bit, yeah. I will say I definitely am suffering from some seasonal affective disorder. I definitely need to (laughs) boost up more on my vitamin D. Because yes, now the rain will do that to you. <laughs> yeah, even in the summer, I was experiencing some of it as well. And it made me just like want to lay in bed all the days. Getting like a good boost of vitamin D can hopefully like really help with that. But I did mm-hmm. notice my quality of life was improving because I had, re- I started working remotely now. And just because I was paying less in rent, that was another thing. Um, not having sales tax is really cool. So that saves a little bit of money as well. I definitely noticed a change in my mental health, but just know that I like always miss San Francisco. I hope one day I can move <laughs> back when I'm a little bit more financially established. Or when enough people move away that it's cheap enough. For you to <laughs> and they're desperate. <laughs> right. right. They're like, okay, you can grab this one bedroom for 4000 instead of 16000 <laughs> I don't know. I'm just throwing those prices out there. <laughs> it just seems reasonable for me. Right. I mean, there certainly can be um, one bedrooms that could go for 16000 in like some really, really nice places. But no, I'd say like the average one bedroom there probably cost maybe like $4,000, which is awful. Oh, yeah. Like I can't literally, I'm just like sitting here like doing the math in my head, like of how big of a house I could buy with a $4,000 a month mortgage where I live now. Right. <laughs> Right, exactly. I know. It's a lot cheaper to live in North Carolina. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, yeah. So the Triangle area where I live is like exploding because there's so many people moving here. Oh, and yeah. Like Apple's building a campus and Google's coming. And yeah, yeah, like literally there's just so many industries um, and 
yeah, just like I think I read somewhere like 500 people move here every day now. It's wild. That is wild. Yeah, Raleigh definitely in Raleigh and like the Triangle area definitely is an up and coming tech hub for sure. So another question I had, because I know we were talking about like MMA and how that's been like a really big method uh, for you that's helped you with anxiety and traveling. But is there any other like methods or tools that have also helped you with that? So my like saving grace, I guess you could call it was dialectical behavioral therapy. Do you know what that is? Uh, Yes, I do. Okay. So I started doing DBT when I moved to North Carolina um, about four and a half years ago. And like, I've been doing therapy like since before my mom died. So like a long time and never really felt like it helped. And then when I found DBT, I was like, oh, my God, this all makes sense because DBT is very uh, like procedural, I guess. Like it's very skills based. So it was like, oh, I get super worked up about something or I get really triggered and I'd be like, OK, but what is like, OK, here's my list of tools that I can use to cope with this situation, because before, like I didn't have those skills because I didn't feel as much. And then when I started feeling it, I was like, oh, God, <laughs> I don't know what this is. Um, and so I use DBT skills like all the time, every day, like just randomly something like I feel some emotion come up and I'm like, all right, like we're going to pull this toolbox or open this toolbox and get this tool out to cope with it. Um, I do that a lot with traveling too. I have a lot of anxiety, especially like on boats. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it did just, I just can't deal. Um, and my husband and I are currently planning a trip to the Galapagos for next year. So that's like a definitely very boat heavy uh, place because it's just like a bunch of islands and you gotta take a boat to get in between them yeah so like I'm already like thinking about okay like when I get on the boat I'm gonna use these coping skills and blah 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 so I'm like planning ahead like even now on how am I gonna cope with these things that I know are gonna come up so like having the tools in my toolbox to pull from whenever I need them like has been super helpful for me yeah and I think the emotion regulation like we were talking about knowing how to like deal with the emotions that are going to come up yeah. and then get yourself back to like a more reasonable state. Yeah. So I'm guessing cruises are probably just like out of the picture for you at this point. Um, I would go on a cruise, like, especially if it was like a big boat, like carnival celebrity, like princess, like giant boat cruise. Cause those are like not terrible unless you hit like some super rough waters. Which, okay. Um, when I, I went on one when I was like a freshman in high school and I think our hurricane had just come through or something. Oh, gosh. And the, the, oh, man. I was, like, on the cabin floor, like, please just kill me now. Like, I'm so sick. I, like, wanted <laughs> You, like, couldn't even go on the top deck because all the water had sloshed out of the pool. Like, that's how much the boat was rocking. And that was, like, the first two days of, like, our thing we went on, like, a 10-day cruise or something like that. But the rest of it after that was fine. But those first couple of days, I was like, oh, God, like, is this ever going to end? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, some people have anxiety about going on boats and traveling because I think there definitely is something scary about open water. I mean, open water can be very terrifying when you're, like, just in the middle of the ocean. The water is very I mean, deep. It's very cold. And especially with weather if you've patterns. you've ever watched a Shark Week episode oh, yeah. and you know what happens. Yeah, that, like that doesn't know. It, <laughs> like, oh, I'm in open water. Oh, there's a shark. Oh, I'm gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't even imagine just like a cruise ship rocking. 
That absolutely sounds anxiety inducing. And also just like some people are just scared of motion sickness, something as small as that. I mean, Mm -hmm. nobody likes to throw up and feel nauseous all the time. Um, no. Yeah, that's the worst. Yeah. I have never like really experienced motion sickness on a cruise. I don't know. Maybe because I've always felt like the water was just like it was really smooth. But when I went sailing on the SF Bay for 4th of July, a a couple of years ago, I definitely felt how bumpy that was. And they gave you beer. Mm-hmm. So it's just like beer and like bumpy waters <laughs> and lots it's a great of combination. Wind. Oh gosh. It's like, ah, uh, should I really be drinking a beer right now with all of this <laughs> rocking waters? I mean, don't get me wrong. It was really fun. And thankfully, like it wasn't such open waters because like you can still see land from where you are. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I have a feeling you probably would not have liked it. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I did this uh, island hopping tour when we went to Croatia. And it was like this, like maybe a 10-seater speedboat in the Adriatic Sea, which is usually pretty choppy. And I was like, oh, man, it was so, so bad. <laughs> I had a, Thankfully, I packed Valium for that one. So I was like, I know I already get a little anxious with boats. Let's just be safe. And like two minutes in, I like, I didn't even swallow it. I like chewed it so it would take effect faster. Oh my gosh. That sounds miserable. (laughs) Yeah, but I was fine after that. And honestly, a lot of times for me, I get such like an emotional overwhelm that when I like get the emotions out, a lot of times I feel so much better. So like, sometimes I just need to let myself have a panic attack and then I'm fine and I can just I can go on with it and be fine, but it's something about that, like, emotional release that I just really need to get out first. That's, I don't know, that's what helps me in particular. Yeah, I I think it's really great that you recognize that, Um, because I feel like the more self-awareness you develop on, like, what triggers your, like, anxiety, especially when it comes to traveling, the easier it is to, like, manage it and also not upset yourself because some people don't recognize, like, what really bothers them until they have to experience it multiple times for them to kind of, like, get the point. Oh, yeah. Self-awareness is honestly, like, the biggest first step along any sort of healing journey because if you don't know what actually bothers you, like, how are you supposed to fix it? Right. Um, So, like, with my coaching and stuff too, like that is like my biggest foundation. It's something I like, I make my clients like do these very self-inquisitive journaling prompts. Like, well, what do I really want? Like what, who, what type of person am I, you know, like asking yourself these questions, like really making the time to sit down and analyze yourself in that way and confront the ugly parts of yourself that you may not want to confront. That will actually open up more doors for you than just going to therapy. But, staying completely detached from who you are. Yeah. And you mentioned that you work with clients to help them with that. What are your services like and like what do you do when you work with people? So I just do like half hour sessions. Um, Do you know what the difference between coaching and therapy is? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I guess for people who don't know, because it's uh, not as common, I do anxiety coaching, which is very action oriented. Mm -hmm. So we're not sitting there in our like 30 minutes saying like oh well why do you think that is like what happened in your past to make you this way it's like I'm feeling this way okay what action are we going to take to help you resolve that so it's not like digging into your past traumas or anything like that it's like right now I'm anxious because of this thing that's going on at work okay well like what can we do to combat that like what 
coping skills do you need to use or do I need to show you, um, you know, like give you resources about this. So it's very action oriented, centered around things that make us anxious. So um, <laughs> I always call myself a creative problem solver. So if you need to like jump up and down while like rubbing your stomach and patting your head to like make yourself not feel anxious, we'll eventually get to that. We just got to keep trying everything until we find what works for you. <laughs> okay. That's really cool. Yeah. So it's more of just like mindset stuff to help them figure out like just more of what actionable steps they can take. Right, right. So rather than like trying to go back and like understand yourself and like the context of your personal history, this is what's going on right now and that I'm having a hard time dealing with. So make a plan of action. Let's learn some coping skills. I mean, sometimes like with the self-reflection prompts, like it's about like uncovering what they truly want. Like, is this like the right job for me? Is this the right relationship for me? Is this the right, am I on the right path? And maybe that's what the biggest driver is, but it's like uncovering that and then being able to take action on that. That's what's most important about coaching. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. What had got you into that? I've been in therapy long enough and like know all these tools and stuff that I end up like being a therapist to my friends a lot of times. And I always people would always tell me that I'd make a great therapist. And I was like, well, I can't, I really can deal with my own problems. Why would I want to like, <laughs> what? how am I supposed to help other people with their problems? Um, and then after doing a lot of soul searching, I feel like all of us did a lot of soul searching during COVID. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. I was like, you know what? I love helping people. And that is the most important thing for me. And um, yeah. And like with everything that I've been through, I feel like I have enough wisdom to impart and like, I can understand where you're coming from. And I think that helps build like that rapport and trust and makes me better able to help people. So long story short, like I was soul searching during COVID and I was like, you know what? Maybe I should help people like this. Okay. And here I am. That's awesome. No, that's awesome. I think that's really important work. So that's really cool that you got into that. I had a question for you in terms of challenges you've faced. So I'm curious to know what were like some of your biggest challenges or struggles you faced when you were battling with anxiety and trauma, especially when it came to traveling as a woman? I have a lot of trauma around like, I, I would just say like healthcare in um, general. So something that really, I mean, to this day still makes me anxious is um, traveling to another country and um, worrying that like, I'm going to have something health health wise happen. Mm -hmm. um, I actually have a lot of food allergies and some of them are very severe. So I'm always like worried that like, I'm going to eat something that I'm going to need to go to the hospital because it's like some, I eat something that's like one of the ones that like makes me have like anaphylactic shock, you know, something like that. And then I'm like in a hospital in another country. And then like, I have all these other complicated medical issues um, because I also have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and it's a whole thing. I have a hard time getting care here where I speak English and they understand what I'm saying, let alone in like another country where maybe we don't speak the same language. Maybe their English isn't as good. Like people in the U.S. haven't heard of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. I don't even know if people in third world countries would know what I'm talking about. That's something that I struggle with a lot, especially with traveling, um, other than like the boats and stuff like that. Safety is a big one. Uh, like we've talked a lot about that one. Yeah. Just like feeling safe. And when we went to Morocco, that was very, very difficult for me because in Morocco, especially Marrakesh, uh, it's very busy. Like 
I literally just like watching people drive there made me anxious. <laughs> it's just a free for all on the road. I was like, oh my God. And then you can't go anywhere without somebody like following you and telling them and like asking where you're going. They'll take you demanding money. And um, there's a lot of like pickpockets and scams. And yes. things like that. So you have to be so hyper vigilant with your person and with your things. And that like trying to not be hyper vigilant is like, the whole part of living with anxiety. Like, yeah. Anxiety just makes us naturally like that. So it just like ratchets it up even more. Ye- um, so, like, I discovered through that experience that I was like, in order for me to continue to go to places like that, like, I have to balance it out with some like either more nature time or like more time out of a city, or maybe we like stay in cities like that, like, less time than we otherwise would. Um, so, you know, it's been like a learning experience. Like every place we go, I take a lesson away of like, how do I experience this better in a way that's like healthy for me? I really like that. Um, I think that's a really cool concept to help you like cope and learn a little bit more about like what you need to do for next time. Two things that you brought up. I was literally going to ask if you've noticed that if there's some places that have or countries that have made you feel less less anxious and some places that made you more anxious. It sounds like Morocco was one of those places. And then I know you mentioned like places where pickpocketing is very prevalent because it's like, I really want to go to Paris and some other countries in Europe. And I know pickpocketing is so common there. I'm like so, Mm -hmm. so scared that like, I'm going to lose everything and then I'm going to have no money because I got pickpocketed. So I will say that I only know of one person who's had any sort of incident like that. Um, She and her family were in Italy. They left some stuff in their car and their car got broken into. Oh, gosh. So they weren't like pickpocketed off the street. But somebody like everybody else that I've ever heard of, like actually getting pickpocketed was in Colombia. Surprisingly. Okay. (laughs) Like I've had had several people that I'm friends with um, through like blogging and Instagram and social media that have been pickpocketed or lost their phone while they were there so that one is like uh I mean like you'll hear mixed reviews about any country obviously yeah but that's the one where I've heard more issues than anything but when we did go to Paris actually this was during a Morocco trip so we had an overnight layover in Paris on our way back and so we went to like we just ran around Paris all night (laughs) and at like three in the morning we were at the Eiffel Tower and there were still people out there like trying to scam you like there's uh the rose scam where they like give you a rose and then they demand you pay them that it's some I don't remember what exactly it is because we don't participate in those types of things uh but yeah I mean like even in the middle of the night people were still out there trying to do their scamming things (laughs) that's ridiculous I feel like if someone's gonna hand you something it's like that's a signal being like oh now you have to buy it I'm like oh nope no I don't here you go take it back I don't want it (laughs) I know what you're trying to do that's a lot of what happened to us in Morocco too um we went to this place in the Atlas Mountains, which if you, you didn't know, there's some very beautiful mountains in Morocco. And um, that was probably one of the highlights of our trip. We went to this waterfall and there's like wild monkeys that will like sit on your shoulder if you like lure them on there with food. Just like don't touch them because they'll lose their shit. Yeah. Um, but like people are standing there like waiting to sell you stuff to give to the monkeys. So like if you if they hand you something, you hand it to the monkey, then they'll like harass you and like demand money and things like that. So that's wild. Fire beware. It's, yes. No, that is a very, very good tip. And then I know like another thing you mentioned is the healthcare aspect. So I have a story regarding that where I did get sick oh, in another man. country. So when <gasps> no. I was when I was in Israel back in 2011, uh, I got sick quite a few times. I was constipated. I got 
a lot of motion sickness from our bus. And then there was one day I had a stomach virus, apparently. So I was fine oh. when I woke up. And and I did a group trip when I was um, uh, for with on a birthright trip. And so I was feeling fine when I woke up and I was getting ready to go down for breakfast. And as I'm waiting for the elevator, I'm not feeling good. And there wasn't a trash can around. So... What I just ended up doing was throwing up in the plants. And so that was not oh, fine. No. I felt bad for the oh. plants. <laughs> but I was like, I did not want oh, to throw up all over the carpet. <laughs> and so then oh. I like could barely eat. And then I threw up on our way to where we were. We were going to go to a museum. Threw up on the way there. And then our like group leader was like, okay, let's take you back to the hotel. And as we take a cab back to the hotel, after I get out of the cab, Threw up after the cab. Our group leader was like, why don't you go rest? And I said, okay. So I sleep when I sleep and I don't know how long I slept for. But then I get a call from her and it's like around 2.30 in the afternoon. She goes, Alana, it's it's time to go to the hospital. <laughs> it's 2.30. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, okay, we'll go to the hospital. She was like so concerned because I like was out cold and she probably expected me to like sleep for like maybe an hour or two, but I got knocked out. And so mm. I had to go to a hospital in Israel and I had to wait quite some time. Like I remember how long the wait was. And so thankfully the doctor knew English and basically she had diagnosed me with a stomach virus. And mm -hmm. I remember that it was completely free. So that's because like the healthcare system there is really great. So I didn't have to mm -hmm. pay anything for that. But it definitely was um, not fun having to go to a hospital in another country. Definitely was uh, quite an experience. No. But at least like I was able to figure out what was wrong with me. And she gave me some medication. Yeah, hopefully that helped you feel better too. Because like throwing up like that is not fun. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was really embarrassing when I had to do it in front of people. Thankfully, I didn't do it oh, at the yeah. hospital. I think like after those three times, it stopped. But like, you know, it doesn't hurt to get checked out. And so I got evaluated. Mm -hmm. I was given medication. And then I was a lot better during the night where I was able to rejoin our group for our night activities. But I'm like, oh my God, I had like the most um, bad luck probably out of everyone on that trip. And then I also had gotten a cold and a sore throat. There were just so many problems going on with oh me. <laughs> um, I guess like just... I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the food, even though like I love Israeli food, but just something was not settling with my stomach. I was experiencing a lot of digestive issues. And mm -hmm. I will say, though, that did not stop me from having fun. But that one day, though, yeah. was, how could I forget it? It was so rememberable. Right. <laughs> and then you got to tell the story for the rest of forever. So <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. It is a story to share for the rest of my life. <laughs> and I really like what you said there about like, you didn't let that stop you from having fun. Because I feel like that's such a good mindset to have about so many things like and that's something I preach a lot about on my blog and on my Instagram. It's like, yeah, you can have these issues, but don't let that stop you from doing what you want to do from having fun from participating in life, just like learn to deal with it in a way that you can continue to do the things you want to do. You know, like I understand love syndrome is a very rare genetic connective tissue disorder so when I was diagnosed with that I sort of like I don't know I was like oh my god is my whole life over and my husband looked at me and he was like you don't have to stop doing anything that you want we'll just figure out how to make accommodations for you yeah and honestly like I have taken that with me since then because you know like I have to be a little bit more protective doing MMA of my body like I will 
tap out way early because I'm like, I'd rather live to fight another day. <laughs> yeah. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. But you, it's like you just make modifications and don't stop. Exactly. And I like that you mentioned making modifications to like any kind of health problem that you have, whether it's in life or whether you're traveling, because that can really just help you battle through it. I mean, I am dealing mm-hmm. with like a lot of bad acid reflux flare-ups lately. And so one thing that I recently bought for myself to make some modifications when I sleep is I got this wedge-shaped pillow off Amazon and apparently like the levels of the pillow help will bring the acid back down. And I definitely am noticing Ooh. a difference. And it's also like improved my sweet my sleep co- quality. And even though it's really weird to sleep on like this slanted pillow, you definitely like get used to it. But it is made out of memory foam, which has been very comfortable for my head. So I'm like, okay, if this is what's going to help me sleep better and then also and also not help me have like flare ups or heartburn at night, then so be it. Yeah, I love that. That's like the solution you pick because I feel like also a lot of people go to like straight to like medication like they don't want to try like other things they don't want to put in work to be better and it's really awesome that you're like let me try some stuff before I just like throw myself in more medications that have side effects and other issues and um, I might be a little biased because I had such a traumatic experience with like all the (laughs) excuse me all the medication I took earlier in life. So I'm like way more into like, let me try something holistic and natural before giving myself pills. Um, That's my bias. And I'm not um, shamelessly unapologetic about my uh, dislike for just writing me a prescription. (laughs) Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I'm still seeing a GI um, in two weeks because it's been so bad lately. And like PPIs that I take for it are just still not always working like the pillow is Mm. great but i that's that can't be like my only solution in life and it's also impacted my voice and i also am waiting like another reason i'm going is so i can get an ent recommendation because i do think that i have done some severe damage to my vocal cords because of the acid and the reflex and like some lpr and just a bunch of other problems because I'm always going hoarse when I talk. <laughs> I clear my throat a lot. So it's like, oh. I, I know. And it's taken me this freaking long to get this recognized. But yeah, it's just like enough is enough. I wasn't Isn't it be- wild how long it takes to get anywhere in the American healthcare system? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's awful like it's- how long it takes to get a decent diagnosis yeah or just even start to recognize that you actually have a problem like i thought these were just small things that just you know happen every now and then they go away and then you don't realize that it's actually chronic yeah and doctors aren't helpful they're like oh it'll be you'll be fine or it's all in your head especially if you like put in your medical history that you have anxiety that's the worst oh i know like doctors in america are the biggest gaslighters you'll ever meet. And it's like, oh, just lose <laughs> yes. weight. Your problems will go away. And I'm like, I actually do not need to lose weight. So do not tell me that I need to lose weight because that is not the solution. <laughs> You're going to actually do your job and evaluate me properly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Still. If I could literally talk for another hour about how much I hate the American healthcare system. <laughs> I totally like, feel if you. If somebody handed me a mic and was like, talk to this group of people about something, like, 
for an hour, I can be like, yeah, sure, I got you. Right. <laughs> I have an hour's <laughs> worth of material on this. I know we are coming close to the end of our episode, but I just have one more question for you. So I would love Shit. to know, what is the biggest piece of advice you could give to others who have high anxiety traveling, especially for women? And I know you don't do a lot of solo traveling, but if you have anything that can be really helpful for solo travelers, because not everyone has a partner or can bring always bring mm-hmm. a friend with them when they travel. Yeah. So um, it's kind of going to harken back to what we were just talking about. Like, there's always a solution there's always a modification you can make to still do what you want to do. You know, especially for solo travelers, I've like heard so many great things from so many people about these like group trips that they've taken um, either like through like influencers will host group trips or there's oh, like, yeah. of, um, websites online where you can go on group trips. So if you don't feel a hundred percent comfortable going by yourself yet, go and meet some new people that way um, until you build up the courage to go by yourself. And sometimes it is a baby step. So like you take a couple group trips and you're like, you know what? I feel comfortable enough with this now that I want to go somewhere on my own. So you don't have to be 100% at where you want to be to start doing something that you want to do. Yeah. And it's so crazy that you mentioned like the influencer group trips because that is something that I really just started discovering this year. I know a TikToker that I follow is uh, Zoe Rowe and she's so funny. And she had actually done a couple of group trips through some sort of website. I can't remember what it's called, but I know she did one to like Athens and I believe another country in Europe. And you got to travel with her. And obviously like Mm -hmm. there's a wait list to get on and they sell out really quickly. But I think that's a really cool way to like meet one of your favorite creators and then travel in this group and then also meet other people along the way. Um, I'm so- Right, it's a great way to like have a community like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I I just never thought of that because like, well, I remember seeing it, but until you brought up, you brought it up, I'm like, oh yeah, that does exist. That is a good thing to consider, even if you don't want to go with like an influencer. Um, I guess there are definitely other options because I mean, for me, like, yes. I did the birthright trip when I was 20 years old in college, and. I didn't know anyone on my trip. Like I did a California trip. I was actually still in Virginia, like in school. And it was the only dates that could work for me where it wouldn't cut into like the first few days of the new semester. Like I just wasn't comfortable with missing like class. Mm. So yeah, 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 I flew out of LAX and I basically met a bunch of California people and a couple of those people like lived in San Francisco. And what was great is that when I moved to San Francisco, those people from my trip were still there. And so I was able to like add those people back to my friend or into a new friend group and like reconnect with those people. I love that. That's such a beautiful story. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Yeah. It, that was just like luck. I mean, you know, just being Jewish, like the Jews just know all the Jews, like Jewish geography. It is, a, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah but I, it's so cool that, I mean, I've met several people on trips too. And, um, you know, we still keep in touch with them and uh, we're trying to plan to go to the Galapagos with some of them again. Like, I, yeah, and my husband and I've talked about doing group trips in the future. Um, so we'll see if that happens for me. Wonderful. Wonderful. So Lacey, if people wanted to be able to find you, where can they find you? <laughs> okay. So on Instagram and TikTok, you can find me at Lacey Lahotsky. It's just my name, one word. Um, 
And if for my blog, my travel blog, it's just liveituplacy.com. And then my coaching website is lacylohotskin.com. So but if you just go to liveituplacy.com, you can get to the coaching website too. Whatever one that you can find works. <laughs> awesome. And I will have all of the links to all of your handles and your website in the description down below in case anyone wants to check her out. And guys, if you ever have an experience that you want to share with me on my podcast, feel free to email the podcast at shamelesslyunapologeticpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Shamelessly Unapologetic on Instagram. And Lacey, it has been such a pleasure having you this afternoon. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. This has been such a fun and really um, enlightening conversation and a lot of important things to help people stay safe and really hopefully put their trauma and anxiety at ease when traveling. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to get to meet you and to talk to you and share my love of travel and martial arts and everything else with your audience. And I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. And thank you so much again for having me here. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Bye everyone. And I'll see you next week.